Heavenly Father, I thank you for your incredible, um, persistent love for myself, for my wife, for my girls, for their husbands, and for everyone here, God. Thank you, Father, for your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, God, for the life that he lived and the word that we have that's called the Bible from Genesis to Revelation that show us more and more of who you are. And so, God, help us in that. And I pray today as we talk about the word gather and what that means, God, help us to really um, open our ears open our eyes and our hearts to hear truth this morning. But God, even more than that, that you'll help us and give us the ability to be obedient and to move one step closer, God, and to be more like you. And so, God, we thank you. We give you praise. We give you glory. And we give you honor. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So our <clears throat> vision at Finding Life Church is what? I don't expect those that are new, those that are visiting to know this. You wouldn't know this, but those that have been here a while, that have been here the last couple of Sundays, you should be able to remember this. I'm not going to have it on the screen for you today like I did last week. So last week you got to cheat, this week you don't. So what is our vision? That's amazing. Good job. But yes, that's our vision. This is our vision, to see every life transformed by the love of Jesus in the Omaha greater area. That includes a lot of surrounding little towns, or towns, don't have to be little, um, but this Omaha in this surrounding area. We read in his word that God's vision, as we saw in the book of Habakkuk, two, uh, chapter 2, verse 14, that God wants to see the knowledge of the glory of the Lord um, cover the earth like water covers the sea. And that's the imagery that we're working with. And so we understand that Jesus is the glory of God, and he is the means by which anyone will come to truly know God as Father. And it's Jesus Christ in us, who is the hope of glory? We see that in Colossians verses, uh, verse one, or verse, chapter one, verse twenty-seven. And so, for people to see the glory of God, for that to happen, for that to happen across Omaha, across Nebraska, across the United States, Jesus has to come into your life. Jesus has to come into my life. And not only does He have to come into my life, but that change needs to begin to happen. The transformation needs to begin to happen. And not only that, but then it begins to work through us. So Jesus comes into my life. There's transformation. There's change. And then not only that, but then he works through us. And then that's when we'll begin to see this vision of Habakkuk 2.14, this vision of to seeing every life transformed by the love of Jesus. That will begin to become a reality. In our prayer as elders, myself, is that Finding Life Church might be a big part of that in the Omaha area. That we will begin to equip you 
to realize that you are the church and that you are sent into the everyday. And what I mean by the everyday is that it's more than just Sunday morning. It's Sunday morning plus when you leave here. It's all of the afternoon. It's all of the evening. It's when you wake up in the morning on Monday and whatever you do on a Monday, it's all of that. It's the evening, whatever you do in the evening. You wake up on Tuesday. You wake up on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. You take all of that, and that is the everyday. We're sent into the everyday so that God might fill every place with his glory through his people. And so we understand that the church is not just a place. It's a people sent to um, fill every place with Jesus' presence every day. And we do that, and he does that through you and I, through our words and through our actions. And so that's our vision. Our mission is what? <laughs> Thanks. The low part and the high part. Got it. Making disciples together every day. That is our mission. So we understand in Scripture that Jesus said that he wants, or he commissioned his disciples to, to be disciples, to then make disciples. And that commissioning has not changed since Jesus died, he rose again, was buried, or buried, was rose again, and is now seated at the right hand of our Heavenly Father. That hasn't changed. That mission, that commission that he gave his disciples to, to be disciples, to make disciples, continues in perpetuity until Jesus comes back to take us home to be with him in heaven. That's what we are called to do. That's our mission, to make disciples. And we do that together, and we're going to do that every day. And so we need to be committed. We need to reorient our life around Jesus. We need to be committed to, to leading others Right to bring all of life increasingly under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And so not only do we need to do that as individuals, but we need to be committed to also helping others to bring all of life. That's what we really do as disciples. We're learners. We're to bring all of life, everything from Sunday through Saturday evening, to bring all of life under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And so our mission as a church, as Finding Life Church, is not to grow, uh, is not just to grow Sunday morning or our Sunday gathering, and it's not just to grow our missional communities um, with a lot of people. Our mission, our desire, is to equip you and I to, to be disciples who make disciples so this, um, so this vision can happen in our Omaha, in the Omaha, Omaha area, in Nebraska, and throughout the world. I mean, I hope that makes sense how those two work together. The how part is what we've been going through the last two Sundays and what we're going to hit on today. And it's right there for you. It's very easy. It's gather. And we really started with the go part. We hit on grow last week. We're going to talk about gather today. And we're going to talk about give next Sunday. And we do this, we want to accomplish our mission, accomplish our vision, 
by focusing on these four key areas. The first one we talked about was go, to being a disciple of Jesus who makes disciples with others. And we're going to accomplish that through what we call a missional community. What differentiates a missional community between that and maybe a small group or a life group or a community group, whatever, or a Bible study, is that you are going to be on mission with this group of people. That's kind of the main difference. It's like... um, uh, being trained to go out into battle. And you do all the training that you need, and you receive all this training, but you're really not going to know if what you've been trained in is enough until when? Until when? Until you go into battle, right? It's kind of a dust statement, but sometimes we miss that. We're not going to know if we're really truly been trained well or if we have received it well until we're actually in the midst of that battle. And that particular uh, picture is played out many different times in the sports world and music world and the dance world and, and theater and whatever. When the lights come on, am I ready? And so it's no different In your life as a follower of Christ, you can learn, you can learn, you can sit, you can soak it in, you can do Bible studies, you can go from uh, Genesis to Revelation two times a year for all your life. But if you don't ever get out into mission, you're never going to know if it's really gone from here to here out to here. There's something that happens when you connect with someone who doesn't know Jesus Christ like you know Jesus Christ, and they begin to ask you questions. And so that's why the go part is so crucial for us. That's why that missional communities are a collection of a lot of things, but a big part of them is to be on mission, is to go out and do. We talked about grow last week, the DNA part. So meeting with two other people, if you're male, meeting with two other males, or a total of three. Female, two other females, a total of three. And you'll begin to um, meet together, figure out times where that's going to work, and begin to um, really dive deep into God's word and to each other's lives and helping each other grow. So we won't talk too much about that. Today, though, we're going to talk about gather, and that is really committing to gathering together regularly on what we have designated on Sunday morning. And then next week is give, supporting Final Life Church through your time, talents, and treasure. And we're going to talk more about that because that's kind of weaved in through all three. The one thing that I, that I want to accomplish this morning is that I feel like, or it seems like, and, and what I've read, um, I believe, backs this up, is that as time has progressed, is that Sunday morning, a gathering attending church, it seems like we continue to lower the bar. It's like, this, it's like a limbo contest 
for church on Sunday morning. We just keep lowering, lowering the bar. You know, it's not that important. It doesn't really matter. And I am convicted as I read, looking at God's word, looking over my life, that it needs to be more like um, a, a pole vaulting contest or a high jump contest, speaking in a track language. And, and when you are accomplishing and you're an athlete and you keep getting better and better and you know more and more about your sport and your, what begins to happen, they don't lower the bar and go, yay, you went over two feet. You know, you did five, and now you're doing two. That's great. No, what they do is they go, you know, you start out low, and then they keep raising the bar. And I believe that what we're going to find in Scripture and what you see in your own life is that the closer you come to knowing Jesus Christ and knowing God as Father and knowing the Holy Spirit as the one who guides you, the closer you come to that epicenter of what that means I believe that the bar, and it's not somebody that's going to do it for you. You're going to do it yourself. That the bar is raised. And it's higher and higher and higher. And I don't believe that it goes lower. Let's look at, let's look at God's word this morning. Turn in your Bibles, if you have them, to the book of Hebrews which we don't know specific who the author is. But we're going to look at chapter 10, verses 24 through 25. And I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation this morning. So starting with verse 24, it says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And then here's verse 25, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So in this chapter, what we see previous to These verses is 1 through 18, the author is building this case. And then we see in verse 19, the beginning of these three exhortations to the group of people that he's writing to. And the first one in in 19 through 21, it's basically saying, let us, it says, let us, therefore, what I've just said before in verses 1 through 18, therefore, because of all of that, let us, and then he says a few things, And then he goes down in verse 22 and he says, draw near to God. So let us draw near to God. That's what we are to be about as followers of Jesus Christ. We're to understand that Christ is all. That Christ is all in my life. That he needs to be centered. I pray that you understand that. And so let us draw near to God. We need to draw near to God with a sincere heart. And we also need to draw near to God with what? A full assurance. So we draw near to him with full assurance of the hope or or of the faith that that brings. In verse 23 then, we see 
the next one. It says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Why? Because he has promised that he is faithful. And when we understand that and we begin to refute the lies that Satan is trying to tell you that God is not good, that God is not in control, that God doesn't really love you, and all of that lies or whatever it might be for you, that we can begin to recognize that and then um, repent from that unbelief and then move towards um, what is true and begin to re-engage. And then when we begin to believe in that, then fruit begins to happen in our life. So we need to unhold unswervingly to the hope that we profess because he's faithful. When we do that, we're going to gain confidence. We will gain confidence and we will gain consistency in the Monday through Saturdays of our life. And then the third thing with the two verses that we just got done reading is let you and I consider, let you and I be deliberate, let you and I incite let you and I provoke, let you and I spur one another, another one of these one another's. All of those verses that I read this morning in previous were one another passages in Scripture that talk about how you and I, as brothers and sisters in Christ, are to act towards each other. So here's another one. Let us consider, let us be deliberate, let us spur, let us incite how we can um, help each other towards love and towards good deeds. The problem with this is that we tend to um, move toward isolation and dependence. That was the life that we had before Jesus Christ. That's all we knew, is that we, um, whether we, can be, we can isolate ourselves even in a crowd, you know, before it might have been, well, I'll open up this large newspaper and I'll stick my nose in it and I don't have to communicate with anybody. People rag on this generation because they're always on their phones. Well, it was really no different many, many years ago because now the people then just used a newspaper. If you look at pictures on a commuter train, you'll see a lot of people with newspapers and they won't want to talk to anybody. So it's no different. It's just a different medium right now. But the problem is, is that we tend to move towards isolation. We tend to move towards independence. Even though when you said yes to Jesus Christ and you're becoming more like him and we see that God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit work in unity, there's community there. And so it would stand to reason that if we linked our life to all three, then our life would be very similar so even though that is now part of our life and we're becoming more and more like that, our tendency is one this tension between I want to isolate, I want to be independent, and Scripture says, no, you need to be in community and you need to be dependent. The New Testament lends no support whatsoever to the idea of a lone ranger Christian, of lone Christians. 
And so close and regular fellowship with other believers, other brothers and sisters, is not just a nice idea. It is a necessity. Let me say that again. Because I believe if you believe that, then what happens on Sunday morning will change. It's not just a nice idea. It is a necessity to be with other brothers and sisters in Christ. And so these verses in Hebrews chapter 10, when it says, let us consider how we might be deliberate, how we might incite, how we might spur one another on, that there was this urgent need within the fellowship of brothers and sisters that there needs to be this mutual concern and exhortation to these two things. That they must have been um, waning in each other's lives. And so here the author was saying, I want you to be deliberate. It's not just a good idea. I want you to think ahead of time. I want you to consider. I want you to incite each other. Now, inciting someone can either be good, as it is in this case, or it can be used um, for bad. But that's the idea. That's the picture that he's giving here. And the target is to stir us up to love, just like you know, 1 Corinthians 13 talks about and the example that Jesus gave while I lived on this earth. So that's what we're to stir one and up towards, that kind of love. And not only that, but when we do that, then it's going to outwork into good deeds, good works. And so it means that you and I, as brothers and sisters, that we're to be aware of the needs of those that are also our brothers and sisters. We can do that in our DNA groups. We can do that in our missional communities. And we can do it in our gathering on Sunday morning. The cool thing about this right here is there's they're not one of those that's more important than the other. They all work together. We tend to, what happens nowadays is we tend to say, the middle two, whoops, the middle two, sorry, Mel. Oh, that's mine. Don't worry about it. We tend to focus on these and ignore the top one. But what I believe scripture is saying is, no, I think all are important in their own right, in their own way. And we'll get into what that looks like. So what these verses are suggesting, what this author is suggesting, is that this, this idea of love and good deeds is not something that will come naturally to you and I. It's not just going to happen. It needs to be worked at. It needs to be provoked. It needs to be incited by others in our life. I mean, think about it, right? We can see that work in different areas, um, in different, uh, through sports or through battle or whatever it might be. That same thing happens. That when I want to do a task by myself, um, if I'm running by myself around a track, which I would never do because I think that's just ridiculous. But if I'm doing that, 
and I'm doing it by myself, and I'm getting tired, but I see four people, five people, all of a sudden come up beside me, and they start running, and they're running a little faster. What do I tend to do? I will tend to, there's another jolt of energy that happens, and I'm, I'm encouraged, <laughs> and I go against everything that my body's screaming, so no, don't go, but you tend to follow. And I don't know if that's a good example or not, but I think you get the picture. It's just helpful. When you are most passionate in your walk with Jesus Christ, it's usually because other people are encouraging you, or you've heard a story, or you've read something, or whatever it might be. And it encourages you, it, it, it uh, incites you, it provokes you, it stirs you up to love even more, to, to, be, uh, to do good in your life. And then verse 25 says, the author says to this group, because evidently they must have been slipping in this, is to not giving up meeting together. This word that's used there, although it's ambiguous, it doesn't necessarily outright say, excuse me, a Sunday gathering or a gathering of something like this. But it suggests, it highly suggests that it's some kind of official assembly. So he says, don't um, give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But I want you to encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. So when Jesus went to the cross, he died, he was buried, he rose again. That ushered in what we would call the last days. And that's taking a while, right? And it may take, nobody knows when Jesus will come back. But even at that point, the author was saying, even as the day when Jesus comes back approaches, because of that day, and we don't know when that will be, that's the reason why that I want you to meet together. Don't neglect that. Be together. Why? Because I want you to encourage each other because human nature will say that if we're not encouraged, what's going to happen? We're going to be discouraged or we're going to forget or whatever it might be and we're going to slide back towards where we were before Christ rather than towards who we were meant to be because we said yes to him. So that's why I say that gathering on Sunday morning is important. Being a disciple of Jesus from Monday or from Sunday noon till Sunday at 1030 is hard. It really, really is hard. In fact, Scripture says, without Jesus and the Holy Spirit, it is impossible. That's why it's important for you and I to gather together weekly to be reminded of the gospel, to worship together our King, to encourage one another, and that's the one that I think that we forget to encourage one another, and to be sent out then, empowered by the Holy Spirit. So I would just say this, that Sundays in my economy, and it's not just because I'm a pastor, Sundays are a really, really big deal. They really are.
You've seen this illustration before, where I took the individual rubber bands and threw them at someone, and they just bounced off, right? And the illustration was is that we are better together. I threw the individual ones, and it bounced off, and then I said, well, what if I would throw this one at the person, right? It would provide more power, more impact. And this illustration still is true, that you can probably go like this and provide a little, ouch. Or if I were to throw this, ouch. It would really hurt, right? If I'm really going to throw all my strength, my 20-year-old strength to it, it would really hurt. My 50-year-old strength, not so much. But my 20-year-old strength would go, whoa, and you'd be in the hospital. (laughs) So there is more power to this than there is to this. And so it would stand to reason that we are better together. It would be the same way in our missional communities. It would stand to reason that we are better together in our missional communities, in our DNA groups that come out of our missional communities. It would stand to reason that that is true. And so even on a Sunday morning, when we gather all of our mission communities together, it's a better thing when we're all together to what? To encourage each other, how? By, I'm coming on a Sunday morning and praying, God, how can you use me to encourage someone this morning? So I'm coming prayed up and ready to go. I'm going to have my eyes open, my ears open, my eyes open, my ears open to listen, right? My heart ready to go so that when God brings someone into my life on a Sunday, in the hallway or whatever it might be, I'm ready to hear how they're doing. Do I need to, what do I need to do? How do I need to respond And so I'm always in that give, 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 give mode. We need to be a community. We are called. It's not a nice idea. It's a necessity to meet together regularly to encourage and to spur one another on. to help us remember the gospel, to help us identify as the people of God, to help us with the mission collectively that we all are on together. You and I need to hear each other's stories. How are you doing? What's happening? I'm encouraged when I hear what God is doing in your life. I'm encouraged when I see uh, a particular men's group that went and served uh, a lady in Ralston because um, her deck needed help, and they did it on a Saturday. They gave up their whole Saturday to do that. I am encouraged by that. I am spurred on by that. I am incited by that, provoked by that, to do more of that in my life. And so we receive this edification, and when we come together, we also receive equipping through um, through reading Scripture together, through... Um, whoever is speaking through God's word, we see we're doing equipping together and we're understanding, being reminded of the mission, reminded of our vision, reminded of the truths of God's word that are there for us. Reminding you again that every person that has said yes to Jesus is given the task of making disciples and this Corporate worship gathering is part of that to encourage and to inspire and to equip us to do that.
You and I need each other. We need to be encouraged. We need to be sometimes exhorted. We need to be equipped, and we need to do that on a regular basis. The thing with a Sunday gathering is that we're, if we're on mission, ideally, if we're on mission all the other days of the week, that when we come together on a Sunday, it's a welcomed interruption, a necessary interruption in our daily life that what that can help refocus our hearts, that can help encourage us, engage our minds, give us some skills that we can go then be scattered and go out in the world again. One of the, the myths of a, the word church or a Sunday morning is that we come to consume because we've been taught that <clears throat> our whole life in different scenarios. And it's hard for us to make that switch when we enter to, to not be consumers, but rather to be contributors. Scripture never talks about being consumers. But it does talk about being contributors. He taught us to love God, Jesus did. He taught us to love our neighbor. And we need each other to help us to do that. It's also more than a building. For so long, churches, well, did, did you go to church? And it's this building, or it's the leaders, or it's a class, a wana, or whatever it might be. And it's more than that. It's a mindset, right? It's this, we don't go to church, you and I are the church. And we've probably heard that many, many times, but that's a very significant shift. And what I would say is, have you really made that shift in your heart? So for Sunday morning, this is the things that matter to us. Is that Jesus is going to be at the center of all this. Is that prayer is going to empower everything that we do. Is that we're going to enjoy and submit to God's word. That we are going to be contributors and not consumers. That I want you to begin to understand that it's not just one person and a group of elders that are the ones that are doing the work. It's all of us have been called to do this together as a family. Understand that we are better together. There's one church, there's one, one Lord called to one mission. Each of us have different gifts and we're better when each one of those gifts are being used. Understand that Sunday shapes our everyday. <clears throat> they really do matter. I want you to take out 
either your handout or a piece of paper. I want you to do something for me. And a pen. And I want you to take out your phone and put it into camera mode. And then put it into selfie mode, right? Got it? Can you see yourself? Oh, I can see my I don't like I don't like selfies. I don't like how <clears throat> All right, take your pen, and I want you to, um, we've done this before, too, but I'm already, well, I'll give you it again. Do that for me. Just write the word me. We have been conditioned that this is all I'm worried about as a person before Jesus Christ, when Jesus Christ comes into my life and I say yes to him, we've also been conditioned that it's just Jesus in me. And it's this individualistic Christianity that begins to creep into scripture. And while it's true that when you said yes to him, something happened to you, so it is you, me, that something happened to, but when we understand scripture and we begin to read it, what happens is that we, we flip this over and it becomes, and that's backwards. So this is where the selfie things come in. So if you take this and if you go with the selfie, and I want you to do this, really do this, and you take a picture, you will see that it is backwards. <laughs> but the picture is forwards. Oh, I didn't think this one through. Another failed experiment. <laughs> So don't take a picture. Just look at it. In the mirror. In the mirror. Exactly. Oh, I'm notorious for failed experiments. <clears throat> anyway. Okay, we'll quit. We won't quit. But that's what this does. So don't take a picture. Just look at it. Look at it in the mirror. But he turns it into from me to we. And to me, that's important. It's important in our DNA groups. It's important in our missional communities. And it's really important on Sunday morning. So that is our prayer. My prayer is that this morning, I pray that you will have to say, all right, what, how do I need to raise that bar for me? And it's not a shame thing. It's not a guilt thing. Nobody's going to judge you one way or another. It's not the way you need to be here 52 Sundays out of the year. It's not that at all. It's just what is the Holy Spirit going to do in you, and how can you, when you come, how can you encourage and spur one another to love and good deeds? Okay?